So good morning, everyone. I have been asked to give a talk today. It may be shorter than we're used to, um, but I wanted to speak about chanting today. Um, there are many different aspects to chanting, and um, what I'm trying to convey today is the importance of the connection of our chant to our chanting experience. Um, we had a little chanting experience this morning, even before service. Um, I think there was, for those of you on Zoom, I think there was a gaggle of geese outside. Did you hear that? I, th I think it was a hostile takeover of the formation. <laughs> um, but very, um, actually very beautiful in its own way. I wish you could have been here to hear it. Um, okay. So I'm going to start with a quote um, by Roshi Philip Keplo, uh, a Zen Roshi. Mind is unlimited. Chanting, when performed egolessly, has the power to penetrate visible and invisible worlds. On its surface, chanting appears to be a tool of memorization or a statement of commitment to practice. But it's really much more than that. When we chant, we're given the opportunity to merge into seamless reality. It's a statement of commitment to each other as a Sangha and as a Maha Sangha. So it starts with what comes out of, um, what comes out of ourselves, what comes out of who we truly are. And throughout service, it penetrates the world. As we chant, our voice becomes an offering to each other, to our teachers, to our lineage, and to the world. Chanting a full service is a journey from realization of who we are as individual expressions to the greater realization that we are all part of one world, one reality, and one dharma. We let our voices flow into one steady river of sound and find ourselves in the midst of vast oneness. Chanting has been an integral part of all major world religions, including Christianity, Judaism in the form of cantillation of scriptures, Hinduism in the form of mantras, and of course, Buddhism in the chanting of sutras and dharanis. Um, there's a kind of mystical quality to chanting in that there is a connection to the vibration that we, um, that we engender in ourselves, in our core in our voices, with our voices, and our ability to send those vibrations to the depths of our roots and also out into the world in order to affect it and change it in some way. Even though it may not seem, as we're chanting during service, it may not seem like we're doing much, or it may seem even that um, you've gotten to the point maybe in your practice, or maybe you're in the beginning of practice and you don't understand why we chant, and you may not connect to why we chant. Um, why am I doing this right now? And we wonder about that, even as we're doing it. 
and you know chanting in, in Zen in our practice is um, is chanting in monotone and so there is there aren't the pretty frills and and uh, harmonies that we hear in uh, in other traditions in Judaism you have you hear beautiful um, can- chanting cantillation from a cantor you hear beautiful Gregorian chant in Christianity you can hear all kinds of hymns from everyone but in Zen uh, we chant monotone but there's a reason for that some chanting involves a more musical lyrical voice as I just said that creates an ethereal or musical sound such as that such as that of Gregorian chant in Zen we chant in monotone with no emphasis on syllables. I think that this was the first thing I noticed when I began to practice. Um, about 15 years ago, I noticed that I gave it a label. I gave it the label boring. <laughs> I come from a family of opera singers and concert singers. And I had heard opera and Broadway and all kinds of Gregorian chant. Actually, I loved um, all of my life and this was this was interesting and this this made me feel like my mind was engaged and and when I started chanting in Zen I was just like hmm you know I had this judgment and it was boring for me because you know my life had been so deeply connected to lyric lyrical music and, and harmony and playing with that even Gregorian chant has you know, open fifths and fourths that you deal with, and it's just uh, you hear, and it's magical. So this was not magical to me. Um, so that was when I first practiced. As time went on, I realized that this type of chanting is almost an embodiment practice. It sends the meaning of the sutras deeply into different aspects of myself that I had not yet experienced. Um, I think it was because uh, there were no distractions within it. You know, in, in monotone chanting, in, in this chanting that we do, um, it, it just doesn't have any, anything to make it pretty. It doesn't have anything to make it um, sound beautiful. But then what it does is it sends it deep within our bodies and our and our centers and our and our hara, as we call it in Aikido. So it sent a meaning into my body and it just over and over started to do that. So gradually I started to feel the sutras in my body. So I was able to feel the actual energy behind the words of each chant settling into my bones. It felt exposed and and bare, almost like um, a skeleton. You know, nothing's there, no meat on it. But it's it's like the dragon in the withered tree. I think that is the beauty of chanting in Zen that there are no additives, and every word points to who we are. And this is the essential point of chanting, to bring our light into the world and realize the all-encompassing love that surrounds us. 
from the energy that is birthed from our voices to actual vibration to each other and to the world, like rays of light. With chanting, we become a source of compassionate energy, not just as individuals, but as a sangha. And then a maha sangha. It spreads. It's light. We give our light to the world. Or rather, we reveal our light to the world by lifting the veil of preference and judgment as the sunbirds clouds away. So it is a form of spiritual technology that allows us to manifest truth together. In the spirit of revealing this truth, we chant during service of all of these dedications filled with merit that we can then offer. We begin even before morning service starts, the Atadipa, spoken by the Buddha so long ago. It extends through time and reminds, of, reminds us of who we are and reveals it. So for those of you who don't know, the translation of Atadipa is, the, the, chant, the full chant is, you are the light dwell. You are the refuge. Have no other as your refuge. Light of the Dharma, refuge of the Dharma. Have no other as your refuge. In each dedication of chanting we hear, enlightenment pervades all creation, existing right here, now. In reciting these chants, we dedicate these virtues to We hear these words, but what are we really offering? We are offering all the spiritual power. Think about that. All the spiritual power that emanates from that chant and letting it penetrate not only our individual consciousness, but universe, the universe, the universal consciousness. Again, as rays of light nourish growth, so does the energy of these chants project out into the world through our true nature. So all of the chanting we do is an offering of our communal energy to heal the world. So chanting is not just chanting. It's not just a form of memorization. It's a communal energy that we then offer. And think about the power of all the chants that we we speak, in a way. All of, the, all of the power that comes out of those chants. Think about the Heart Sutra. Think about sameness and differences. Think about those sutras. Think about the Dharani um, that we chant, uh, the Shosaishu, for protection from harm. Think about all that power that we generate when we sit and we chant together and the world is chanting with us. That is a tremendous amount of power. The very first chant of the service is the Heart Sutra, dedicated to Vairokana, one of the five wisdom Buddhas, who's known as the Universal Buddha. So think we're, we're starting with a chant that projects energy, the energy of Vairokana Buddha, the Universal Buddha, to the world. Vairokana is the source of enlightenment and helps others to be free from their causes and conditions. The original Buddha is pure and untangled in suffering. Vairokana is also called the true Dharma, the Sun Buddha, and the Buddha of universal illumination. Vairokana's rays of light sustain and nourish as the sun does for our physical bodies. Vairokana's body is the body of the Dharma, Dharmakaya, 
as I'm sure you've heard. True face, true nature, Buddha nature. This nature is the shunyata, without which all creation could not come into being. You could also call this the source or emanation, the light that we are. This first dedication is revealed as our true nature. We dedicate these merits to our true nature, our source, and that which we can never be separated from before we add all the likes and dislikes, preferences, judgments, hierarchies, clinging, and attachments. The Brahma's Net Sutra states, each flower supports a hundred million worlds. In each world, a Shakyamuni Buddha appears. All are seated beneath a Bodhi tree. All simultaneously attain Buddhahood. All these innumerable Buddhas have Vairokana as their original body. Vairokana is our original body. So this dedication of the Heart Sutra to our true nature is a reminder to manifest as the Dharmakaya that we each are. I know that Roshi has quoted this before about Vairokana. I wanted to mention it again here. Um, my very essence is original purity, while my nature is spontaneous presence. I transcend all levels, extremes, and biases. I am not within the range of language or logic. I am ensured in supreme emptiness by innate nature. I am not within the range of any scriptural authority or any brilliant reasoning. I cannot be portrayed by tantras or by pithy instructions. I am not ensured by being contemplated. I cannot be analyzed through sublime knowing. There are no stages of approach and accomplishment to reach me. I am beyond any context of negative influence or harm. I am completely me and all ordinary beings. And I am nothing but mind and all that occurs in mind. I am the multitude and I am singular. I am nothing but samsara and nirvana. I am sitting and lying down and moving about. I am life force and I am destruction. Throughout service, the truth that we have revealed about ourselves then is revealed in others. We dedicate all of the spiritual power generated by these chants to all ancestors, all teachers in our lineage, all sick and suffering beings, all guardians and protectors of the Dharma worlds and the relations throughout space and time. Think of the power of these sutras and dharanis, just feeling the power of these words deep inside as vibration. It's incredibly amazing that we are given the opportunity to give all of that love and compassion to everyone and every sentient and non-sentient being in the universe, extending everywhere all at once. That is a gift. After every chant, there is an intonation. All Buddhas throughout space and time, all Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, Maha Prajna Paramita, meaning all Buddhas everywhere in all times and all places, all dimensions, all bodhisattvas and mahasattvas, practicing perfection of wisdom. Over and over we chant this through the service as a resonant reminder that permeates our mind and our physical form, a reminder that this wisdom is inside us and accessible to us, is us. Not only that, but as is us giving to the world, 
being the light in the world, helping others to find their way in an often confusing and constantly changing world. Chanting can be considered another form of zazen. It helps us to reach a mind state of complete self-forgetfulness. Oneness is the goal of chanting. This means that we all have a responsibility to, to each other to release our ego. Chanting too loudly over others indicates that we value our voice above others. Chanting too softly, which I actually do experience a lot from people, too softly indicates that we value the voices of others over our own. Either way, we enhance our own ego and do not allow the one voice to permeate and flow through us. We as individuals allow our thoughts to insert themselves into this marvelous, incredible activity, and then they become more important than merging, than Buddha's voice. Remember that we are not here to sound pretty, nor to hide our voice. We are here to give to each other. Very often when I encourage other people uh, to learn how to lead chant during service or practice Eno, I hear that, I hope you all hear me, I hear <laughs> that my voice isn't good enough, but it's not an opera. It's not a concert. How could your voice not be good enough? I don't see it that way. All of you chanting, I never hear a bad voice. There's no bad voice. And there's no good voice. There is no other voice but yours, but ours. It doesn't sound pretty. And where do these judgments come from? From the dualistic idea that we are performing. We are being judged. This is not a performance. This is a responsibility. Whether you are the lead chancer or not, you have an undeniable responsibility to everyone around you. Not just sitting here in a zendo, but sitting here in the world with everyone else. There is a poem I love by the 14th century Sufi poet uh, Hafiz, and I'm sure you've all heard it before. I am the hole in the flute that the Christ's breath flows through. Listen to this music. I am the concert from the mouth of every creature singing with the myriad chorus. I am a hole in the flute that the Christ's breath flows, Christ's breath flows through. Listen to this music. So, let practice flow through you as Hafiz's flute. Chanting helps us release the grasping hold we have on how things are supposed to be. It is the way of channeling our life force and rooting it, and letting it emanate in the ten directions. Flow is very important in chanting. The flow of a river is not hindered by the rock it runs over and around and under. It caresses the rocks and ceaselessly continues to wear away resistance. Thoughts about how things are supposed to be are those very rocks that can be worn away gently with the flow of our practice. Remember that it isn't you who is chanting. It is the universe, the Buddha, the life force, the source that is chanting through you. This is your practice. 
to let this tremendous wisdom that is you and your true nature come through you and manifest in the world. It's one of the only ways we have to give this way. It's immediate. The voices, the voices' vibrations are immediate. Remember that expressing self-consciousness is expressing self-centeredness. Remember that expressing superiority over others is expressing self-centeredness. When you chant, root yourself deeply in the vibration of voice. Not your voice, or her voice, or his voice, but voice, or their voice. Root yourself deeply in the vibration of your voice, merging with others. Root yourself deeply in practice. Because there is no other practice than this. Practice yourself. Let the practice penetrate your being. And now, I just want to talk about how we take that practice into our everyday lives. Think about, don't think too hard, think about how you take your voice into your everyday lives. This self-consciousness that you feel when you use your voice in chanting is this manifesting in your life. This overuse of voice that you feel when you are chanting this, listen to me, I am speaking feeling, is this your manifestation? How do you use your voice with others? How do you use your voice with yourself? Do you allow your thoughts to interrupt the flow of compassion toward yourself and others. Be with that for a moment. How do you use your voice? I know that if you have a meeting at work, you don't say, my voice isn't pretty enough to give a presentation. You use your voice to direct your message to those you work with and for. When those of you who have children read a story to them, I know you don't say to them, my voice isn't pretty enough to read to you, sweetie, sorry. Because when you read to your children, it's about the love you feel for them. It's about wanting to comfort them, spend time with them, give to them. It's the same with clients and your bosses at work. It may not seem that way because some, some people are difficult to work with. Some people are challenging. You can be challenging, I'm sure. I can be challenging. I know I can. <laughs> but I have to rethink what, how I'm using my voice. How am I using my voice to give love to others, even at work, even with people who are challenging? They're the same as my children or the same as my friends, the same as my sisters and brothers. So you want to impart something important to them. You want to ultimately give to them. You want them to see what you are seeing. So when you're chanting, it's not about your voice, it's about the voice of the Buddha. Not just when you're chanting, when you're interacting with anybody in your life. Yours is the voice of the Buddha. You don't have an ugly voice. You don't have a pretty voice. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. 
but chanting without judgment, speaking without judgment, using your voice without judgment, without attachment, without, um, without anything that gets in the way or hinders you from giving love to others. So, do you allow your chanting practice to permeate your life in order to create flow? Do you allow your voice to channel compassion and love to others? Or do you curse that one over there with your voice when they cut you off on the road? Do you talk over others? Give to those around you. There is no one else who will do so. It has to be you. And that in every moment, it has to be you. Nobody else is going to do it. I grew up Catholic, and there was a hymn that was sung in church that speaks to the bodhicitta in all of us, actually, surprisingly. Summarizing, it is basically something inside of us establishing that we are here. I've heard that the world needs me. I will go and hold the world in my heart. And that hymn is, has always resonated with me, even when I was very young. Um, this is what we are here to do. We are here to heal the breach, the separation. There's a tear in the fabric. Chanting is about offering that healing to others. Your life is about offering healing to others, even when you don't feel like it. Not just here in the Zendo, but at home, at work, walking down the street, taking out the trash, opening the grocery store door for someone. The world needs you. It needs your healing. In order to do that, we all need to be aware of the world around us. And chanting opens that channel to the heart and lets the world in.